we this is the second time that we've recorded this podcast because last night I may have been a little pushy trying to get us to get a podcast out and you were in no mood. Okay. You were downright nasty. I was not nasty. Yes, you did. You went below the belt and <laughs> said horrible things. And also, I was way too tired. First of all, well, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bury the lead. You were too tired. And we're going to come back to that in a second. But I would like to know what were the, what was the, tell the audience what the horrible, what was the below the belt and horrible things that I said to you? You told me that like you, you're the one who wants to do this podcast and you have to do it at 10 o'clock at night. That's the horrible thing I said. I said, if you want to do something, you have to yeah, do it. Yeah, but you can't do it when you're tired and have no energy. Okay, but does that that's not a horrible thing. That's not a below-the-belt comment. Yeah, because you made me feel like I was disappointing everyone by not doing it, but my eyes were literally closing. And then, because I got up and tried to do the podcast, you messed with my sleep window. Okay, so can I, I'm just going to add some timestamps to this conversation, okay? <laughs> the kids go to bed at 8.30. They stayed up late last night and went to bed like at 8.45. Podcast setup was ready for recording at 9 o'clock, maybe 9.15. You would have thought that I had dragged Allison out of bed at 4 a.m. for this podcast. I um, was on a work trip and I took a, I got up at um, 4.30 a.m., Central time, which is 3.30 a.m. Mountain. And I was exhausted. Now, I don't mean, I, you know, I do not like to challenge you, but your flight left Omaha at what time? I know, but I went to Orange Theory at 5. Okay, so then don't wrap it into your travel. <laughs> yeah. That's your fault that you got up that early. <laughs> Jeez. You got to work out every day to, you know, keep your blood sugar low. I'm happy that you worked out every day. You work out every day. Anyway, this is round two, and I you seem chipper and excited. I feel much better, mm -hmm. and I just don't think my um, creative juices flow after 8.30 p.m. I, I, I just noticed that your vitriol does flow after 8.30 p.m. <laughs> so she so we ended up, so we started recording, then Allison ended up not feeling like, wasn't feeling the vibe, then she goes to bed, then I'm working, and then I get, like, repeated text messages that say, you messed with my sleep. You messed with my sleep. <laughs> I'm mad at you. And then all she does is she just goes, you messed with my sleep. I'm mad at you. Next text. I'm mad at you. Next test. I'm really mad at you. Next text. I'm like, if you put the phone away and stop hate texting me, I think maybe you'd be able to fall asleep. I couldn't. I was, the. he just messed with my window. Okay. So I had to go into the room and then tell her to close her eyes. And then she fell asleep instantly. <laughs> I had the same conversation I had with Enzo and Lino about going to bed, I had to have with you. I'm serious about sleep, Dave. I, I know. You should, because you should tell the audience that your face fell off this week because you don't sleep. What are you talking about? I stay up late to work, and you're welcome. Mm. I, was, I was run down this week, <laughs> and I, 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 I was not my best person because I was run down. But I'm here happy, and <laughs> I don't take it out on anybody, okay? You want to know why you were run down? Because you, you don't sleep. you got to start taking it seriously. If, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, fine. Mm -hmm. We have different sleep schedules. What did you want to talk about today? You had a, you had a, you, you came in hot with, I have a topic for us. I do have a topic. I think we should talk about seasonal affective disorder. Okay. 
And how to, and what, what do we do? What's the question? The question is how to navigate relationships when somebody has it. I think tips for how to address it personally. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like I don't know how it pertains to relationships, but we should, I think there is a lot there. Like one of the tips from Mayo Clinic is that you should plan fun things during this type of season. Agreed. So, so do you have any tips? I have some tips. Do you have tips? Well, when we before we got here, you told me that seasonal affective disorder wasn't a thing. And it's so, not. I don't think it is. <laughs> but I was. Try, I wanted to share. I was going to drop that at the end of the podcast. I didn't want to lead off by saying, "By the way, I don't believe in this at all." Well, I wanted to see why you thought that because, like, I feel like some of the top institutions, centers of excellence. You would say. Do you not consider my office a center of excellence? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's what I, here's, I have a larger beef with the field of psychology and in some extent, in some ways, the field of medicine, which is I think that we pander. I think that we want to take care of people. I think that we are compassionate. And so sometimes instead of being really transparent about what's actually happening, we will create labels and we'll create space for things that maybe aren't a hundred percent, you know, uh, empirically validated. So, for example, seasonal affective disorder. The idea is that seasonally people will experience periods of depression, and most often, like if you look at depression in Florida compared to depression in Alaska, there's a lot more incidence of winter depression in Alaska than there is in winter depression in Florida. And so it's easy for people to look at the correlation and go, oh, well, there must be a relationship between sunlight and depression. Well, and there was a researcher that was talking about um, sunlight helps with melatonin. And if you don't get enough sunlight, then you don't sleep well. So I, so I don't know that that's true. Okay. And let me, let me, let me, I think that that's true step by step, right? I think it is true that if you don't get sunlight, that you don't sleep as well. And I also think that it is true that if you don't sleep as well, then yes, you're likely to be less globally satisfied and happy and that could impact, you know, engagement in life and level of depression. I think that, right? But to then go, if you're not exposed to sunlight, then you are getting a clinical diagnosis like seasonal affective disorder. I don't know that's a, I'm not sure that's a totally true connection. Allison seems very skeptical. So let I'm, me just... I am I just really out, skeptical. Can I just roll out the argument? Mm-hmm. Or let me just roll out my position. So I think it is... Can you look at me? Not your, your, She's feverishly Googling, like with anger. She's Googling and trying to prove me wrong. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so I've lost my train of thought. My, so my, the, the, the truth is that in areas like Washington, Portland, Alaska, there is more depression and there's more of that depression during... The winter season. So this is the, no question about that. And so when somebody comes in with depression or when someone comes in with seasonal affective disorder, we oftentimes think about it like that means that you're having depression during the winter because of the season. But you can actually have seasonal affective disorder in any season if you consistently have depression in that season. So you could have depression seasonally in the summer and it would still be diagnosed as seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. I, I heard a reason why. I heard a theory why. why. It's about 10% of seasonal affective disorder occurs in the summer. Why? Because people feel they put pressure on themselves like they should be having more fun in the summer. 
and they're not having fun. They want to watch TV. So when I when when if I, so if I say that to you, if I say there's this new clinical diagnosis, which is every summer you're going to get depressed, and it's because you're having FOMO, would mm-hmm. you think that that's a clinically valid diagnosis? Um, no. Why not? Because I feel like that's just FOMO. But why does that not, doesn't that, we'll say more about that. So it's Because it doesn't have anything to do with the, the theory. I feel like seasonal affective, like you came from the theory of people not giving up, getting enough vitamin D. But in the summer, if they're outside, they're getting more vitamin D from the sun. So I think that that makes intuitive. So here's, here's what I think, this is what I think the data says. The data says that there is no relationship between sun exposure and depression. If we're just looking at sun exposure and we're able to control for behavior, I think that there's no true objective uh, or empirical evidence for there being a connection between sunlight and depression. Hmm. Interesting. And there is a uh, article which I will link in the show notes done by the CDC. Um, and the title of it is Major Depression with Seasonal Variation. Is it a valid construct? And the end of the abstract says the idea of seasonal depression may be strongly rooted in folk psychology, but is not supported by objective data. Hmm. Because so here, so here's the thing. So if you go see a therapist, a traditional therapist, right? That's not whatever standard therapy practice. If you walk in with depression, they're going to look at, they essentially focus on three areas, right? If, if I were going to draw, I wish I could draw this here, but I see it. Let's just say you did a, there's a sort of a circle at the top of the circle. You have mood, on the left-hand side of the circle, you have behavior. On the right-hand side of the, of the circle, you have how your body feels physically. And on the bottom of the circle, you have your thoughts. You really go to therapy because you're trying to address the mood, the top of the circle. Mm-hmm. But in therapy, we don't spend as much time talking about your mood, but we do spend a lot of time talking about how are you thinking. We spend a lot of time talking about how are you behaving. And we spend a lot of time talking about how does your body feel physically? Mm-hmm. I think that those three things, your behaviors, your thoughts, and your physical feeling of your body is impacted by seasons. So in the winter, you are less likely to get outside and go run around. You're less likely to exercise, which impacts how your body feels physically. It also impacts how you behave. You're at your, the amount of social interaction. It impacts those kinds of things. So it's impacting both how you behave, it's impacting how you feel, and it also impacts how you think, right? Mm-hmm. You're stuck in the four walls of your house and it changes your perspective on things. And that is how you, that's like, the, the, the challenge with depression, to me, depression is very difficult to treat because the solution for depression, not the solution, the treatment for depression is to essentially do everything you don't wanna do. When most people get depressed, and I, I wanna delineate between being sad and being depressed, right? Sadness is, uh, there's pain and there's distress tied to it. Whereas depression, oftentimes the, the distress is emptiness. It's just, there's no energy. There, there's, there's kind of nothing. It's just like all the life has been sucked out of you. People want, when that happens, people want to just crawl in their bed, put the covers over their head and hide and wait for it to go away. But that behavior of going in your bed and putting the covers over your head leads to more depression because you're not improving how your body feels physically, you're not improving how you're thinking, and you're not improving your behaviors. 
So the treatment, if you went to like a regular therapist, most times they're going to say, if you're feeling depressed, go socialize, get out of the house, eat healthy, don't do drugs or alcohol, go think more positively, right? All of those interventions are, you use those in an effort to change your mood. Mm -hmm. And I think, I would argue that seasonal affective disorder is created because due to the season, you're forced inside your house. You have less access to healthier foods, right? You're not going to get vegetables. You're not, you're just not as um, out there behaving. You're not socializing with people and you sign of, you sort of cut off your life and that leads to the depression. You have a good argument. That all makes sense. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's easier, I think for us from a diagnostic standpoint to go, Oh, you have season. You're sad. You have seasonal yeah. affective disorder. Well, and so it makes sense because like, I guess like most of those light, the for seasonal effect of those light lamps, they don't really work. They're not efficacious. And that makes sense why, because that's not really what people are missing. Although right. they might do better with vitamin D. I think I'm sure that it helps. It, it would address, in my opinion, it would address the how you feel physically piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, but more than that, it probably, it's a placebo effect. It impacts how you, like from a psychological standpoint, how you're thinking. I'm getting up, I'm actively treating, I'm actively taking care of my body. I'm treating my symptom. I have some sense of the locus of control is now with me. I'm not, I'm not dependent on the sun or the weather. Yeah. Right. It's all those things. But is it re like, can you really say that just because the, of the earth's location to the sun that you're now depressed? I don't think so. Okay. I feel like in the winter, cause we're in Colorado and actually I was just in Omaha and it was so cold. Um, I feel like it, I don't like to venture outside cause it's so cold. Yeah. And so I do feel like then, you know, if you don't want to venture outside, like the little things that you're used to doing, like walking to the coffee shop, the stuff that um, bring you joy, mm -hmm. um, you're not doing. So you're right. Cause it. So, in that, so I think that, so that leads, I think it's a good transition to, so like, what do we do about it? What is the, what is the treatment? How do you, if you're experiencing what people call seasonal affective disorder, what's, what, what's the action? Push yourself to do things still. Like your normal things, push yourself to continue to exercise, um, eat healthy foods, make dates with friends. I feel like you're very good uh, in over the course of our relationship. I think you have gotten, you've become exceptionally disciplined. Like maybe, maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, you sort of made a shift where I felt like you were much more intentional about setting up your life so that you setting up your life for success, like setting up your life for, for happiness. And that's a, yeah, I, I can attribute, I know exactly the point in time. What happened? When that happened. I read Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Uh -huh. And I still, you know, I'm back on the Rachel Hollis bandwagon. I feel like she has really good tips, but I read that book and I feel like then I became disciplined about certain things like that. What is, what's the message? Can you talk about Girl, Wash Your Face? Because that's a book, by the way, since you told me about it, I read it, and then I've given that to clients. I think it's a fantastic... I I feel like Girl, Wash Your Face, Girl, Stop Apologizing were both really excellent books. Yeah. Just like, you know, for me, I have. I think I had always, like, exercised every day. Or I exercised a lot, but not every day. I think for me, emotionally... Like I definitely need a good 30 minutes every day where it's very intentional exercise. 
you can't see me. I'm grimacing at her. She works out way more than 30 minutes a day. I do. I do. That's true. But I think like intentionally, I, I mean, this, this is what I do. I do work out way more than 30 minutes, but I only do probably 30 minutes of cardio, but I can't miss the cardio because it affects my mood. I'm tired if I don't do like, like running or, or bike. Like I, you know, I have to do that every day. So what, well, what, so what's your, what's your typical routine, physical routine? What do you mean? Like workout? Yeah. What do you, yeah. I do cardio and a strength every day. Okay. Honey, you're wanting to talk about tips and you're like hedging your own tips. What do you, what do you think people should do? So if we think about seasonal affective disorder, there's a physical side of it. There's a behavioral side of it. There's a social side of it. So on the behavioral side, so what are the things that you do to manage your mental health so that in the winter, you're in Colorado, you stay happy? Yes, I I exercise every day. I'm really intentional about what I put in my body. I try to limit sugar because I can tell that the spikes affect my mood. And, And one thing that I feel like I've noticed more and more in the last few years is Alcohol is a real problem for me. I cannot, um, I cannot drink alcohol without it. It disrupts my sleep and then in turn disrupts my, um, my mood the next day. I think that's the other thing about, um, for a tip for seasonal affective disorder and from girl wash your face is just being really intentional about sleeping and noticing when you don't sleep well, how it affects your mood. Is there anything in that book about being judgmental about your husband if his sleep is off or if his diet's off? I or just his we both is we off? both read Outlive by Peter Atia, and we both know mm-hmm. <laughs> that emotionally it affects you, but also you're going to get early onset dementia from not sleeping. <laughs> so sleep is not a sleep is not a strength for me. <laughs> All right, but you do. So what's your? I'm to keep trying to get you to say it. What is your workout reg- regimen? I do at least 30 minutes of cardio every day. That's first thing in the morning. I wake up at 4.30. I do cardio from 5 to 5.30. And then I do um, either, um, I do Pilates every day. After that? After that. So it's like an hour and a half of fitness that you do. Yeah, a day. Why are you hedging on that? I don't know why you're... Because not everyone has that kind of time to do that in the morning, but that's what I do to help. Yeah, and then I'm, you, I, I, and I'm also, I was thinking, yeah. I think it's okay for you to just be transparent about what you do. That's what you okay, do. Yeah. Right. You work out a lot. It's a big, so Allison uh, used, used for like 25 years, you were an aerobics instructor for uh 24 hour fitness. It's like a huge part of your life. Yeah. So now you could argue that her husband's a hero because that means that, in the morning, he has to get up with the kids, and she's very persnickety at like nine o'clock at night if he ever wants to record a YouTube video. <laughs> well, I don't feel like most of the time, like I come in and you're just getting up, and so like I come in the door and everyone's just waking up. I feel like I go at the perfect time. I, I wake up with anxiety every morning. <laughs> Why? I'm f- terrified of you being there before I get up. Like the idea that you've gotten up, worked out, <laughs> and then. I'm like just rolling out of bed making a coffee. I feel that's not a good look. That so. happened this morning. I know. I was not happy about it. <laughs> and then you, you know what's so funny is you get in my way when I'm like trying to make lunches for the kids and stuff. And I just feel like you stand right where I'm trying to be. 
<laughs> you move through the house in the morning like it's a break. Like you just have broken into the house and you're trying to steal something. <laughs> she moves so fast. She's like trying to get the, you know, it's like screaming about the kids getting breakfast. You know, we got to get the kids breakfast, get the kids lunch, get them out the door. And, you know, I'm just like trying to get a cup of coffee and you're just moving at such a, I just want to, I'd like a hug. I love you. Good to see you. Right. And instead I I've wake up, up for a while. Instead right? I wake up with, with shame and guilt for waking up late. And then I got this road runner sprinting around the house, getting things ready. <laughs> but so what happens is you get up in the morning, you go, uh, you go do cardio, right? I take the kids to school and while I'm at taking the kids to school, then you go do your second. Yep. Whatever the extra forty five minutes or whatever you do, mm -hmm. right? The other thing too, um, oh, I forgot my thought. Oh, I know what it is. You like if you get up early, like for me, I've already accomplished something. Um, and I know that there was some general that was like, you should always make your bed because then you start the day accomplishing something. Unfortunately, we don't do that because we get up at different times. But I feel like when I come home, I feel good because I've already accomplished something for the day. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think, sorry, I was drinking something. Yeah, so that's, I think that's a good tip is, I mean, here's what I would say is, if you're treating depression, whether or not you consider it seasonal affective disorder or depression, you want to make sure that your body physically feels good. And so one way to do that is to make sure that your body is healthy. Mm -hmm. So that is doing things like exercise, that's doing things like eating healthy. So drugs and alcohol are a no-go. I will tell you, you know, I think everybody know. I think everybody buckets um, alcohol as a depressant. People recognize that it has that impact. Mm. And no one's going to like me when I say this, but pot speeds up your heart rate, increases your blood pressure. Long-term will lead to a greater sense of anxiety. And I guess, I don't know if you saw that article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, what? but it said 47% um, of like um, teenagers to young adults that do like the current marijuana that's out there are um, more likely to have psychosis. 47%. Wait, say that again. That sounds like a, I, that, that, say that again. 47% are, are likely to have psychosis? From the current um Mayor, I read it yesterday. It was in the Wall Street Journal. Is it saying that you're 40% more likely to have psychosis than you were historically? Yes. Okay, but the, the global percentage of people that experience psychosis was still exceptionally low. Right, but, well, I don't know. I th I, it, I don't know. I You should read the article because I just was, went through it, but it did make me concerned about our kids um, doing marijuana. I mean, I, I'll look at the article, but just like intuitively, mm -hmm. what they're probably saying is before you had a, you know, whatever, a 0.25% chance of experiencing psychosis on pot. And now it's slightly higher, you know, now it's 0.75% chance of having, not that you're all of a sudden are 50% of the time going to hallucinate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's 50% of the time. Okay, but can we stay focused on this topic here? Yeah. So one is, one is eat the right things exercise, don't do drugs and alcohol, and get enough sleep. Like those are standard. I would tell you every clinician would tell you that if you experience depression, you should be doing those things. because also going it takes, outside, right? Oh, sorry. Because it takes care of that part of mm -hmm. depression, right? And yes, it's exposure to sun. The other side of it is the behavioral piece of it. And many of those things that I just mentioned 
also have a behavioral component. Exercise in particular has a behavior. You're getting out and doing something and you see things, but being social. So I would tell you that whatever your symptom is of depression, sort of do the opposite of what you intuitively want to do. If you intuitively want to lay in bed and hide and not be social, you should get your butt outside and be social. And that's always a challenging thing for people to do because it feels so uncomfortable. So what I would say is do it in small doses. So maybe you're not ready to go to a rave, but (laughs) it might be okay for you to invite a friend over or for you to go to a friend's house or for you to just go to the grocery store and go shopping versus having groceries ordered into you. Or go, if if you're, you know, working from home, maybe you go work into the office one day. Like force yourself to take an incremental step to change the behavior that is more in alignment with a more satisfied experience. That makes a lot of sense. Can I add to that? Yeah, of course. When I had, um, I felt like I had, I had bad postpartum depression. Yeah. What would make me feel better is going to, um, cause it's cold here. So it was like a double whammy cause I had Enzo in January. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would make me feel better is taking him to the mall and walking around the mall with other people that were not like I wasn't talking to anyone, but like there was other people around me. I wasn't so isolated. Yeah. hundred percent. That's a, it's a perfect example, right? So you, it's like a creative way for you to get what you need, despite the fact that your circumstance you know, yeah. makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was also, I think it was important to you, right? When you initially with Enzo, you were more, uh, you were shyer about breastfeeding. So you would like, we'd have people over to see the kid, you know, see Enzo. And then you're upstairs by yourself breastfeeding versus using the hooter hider and doing it in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like when you made that transition, that also helped. Yeah. Right. Where you, so you get, more I also social. hated breastfeeding. I should never have done that for a, as long as I did it. Yeah, so. you, you had the La Leche League or whatever coming after. They, they <laughs> put so much energy. There's so much judgment around breastfeeding. It's crazy. Well, and it, okay, so I, this is off topic, but I was thinking about uh, we are my sister in law had a baby, and I when she was talking to me about all this stuff, I said I was like, you know, no one cares anymore. Like once your kids get at, out of that stage. Like, no one's talking about baby food and diapers and breastfeeding anymore. Right. And just so you know, no one even asked me. And Enzo does great in school. And he doesn't, he's not obese and he doesn't have a bunch of allergies. So I think we're, we, it's okay yeah. if they don't. But at the, when you're in it and all your friends are in it and that's all they're talking about, oh my gosh, it is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I think it's, be- I think part of it is that at that stage, as a, as a parent, you feel like you're so, there's so many unknowns or you're so out of control. And it's like, that's one thing that you can like, the, the language has been that this is the thing you can do right. And then all it does is it creates all of this anxiety, which makes it harder for people. It like yeah. backfires. And then there's a weird, it's like another way for women to compete. Like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's so beautiful. This is so breastfeeding is so beautiful, isn't it? Don't you just like, love smelling like curdled milk (laughs) (laughs) i I was always like i i felt i felt way more disconnected with my friends at that time because um i really like the like the ages our kids are now and Mm -hmm. i'm having so much fun with them but i was not a good baby mom and looking back on it i don't think our babies were easy but i didn't know that i just thought that was normal (laughs) Are you, do you just say that or do you really think you weren't a good baby mom? 
I just didn't like being a baby mom. I was good at I mean, I was fine at it. You were great at it. What are you talking? I don't Yeah, that's a, it's a. I didn't, I did not enjoy it. Being Okay. A, I didn't you know enjoy I, it either. I thought that I would have like this major, like existential relief, relief when Enzo was born. Like, oh, like I've passed on my genes and like now I don't need to be here. So like if I die, no big deal. Like I thought I'd have some kind of you like. You did? I thought, I thought that that's what, how I feel. Yeah, because doesn't it make sense? Like, you're really here to pass on your genes. So I thought, once I have Enzo, I'm going to be, like, my anxiety is going to get, you know, cut in half. Or And I had none of those experience. experience I, didn't, I did not have that experience at all. I just had my anxiety now double worried about Enzo. This, like, little football that couldn't even make <laughs> eye contact with me. That was just, that stole my wife from me and stole all of my time. <laughs> you know, it, was a, it, was a, it takes, like, until, I think, Five or six months before things get significantly better. Yeah. And I I, I um, am blessed in having kids very similar to me that are active and busy. And and so, like, my friends would have their kids sit and color. for, And mine would be, like, climb, like climbing up onto the refrigerator and, like, falling face first down. The, yeah. Oh, we have some orangutans. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to go back to the last thing, though, is so we've talked about as it relates to depression or seasonal affective disorder, we talked about the behavioral piece, we talked about the physical piece, and the last is the thoughts. And that's that's the last thing I think that you can address. And so the standard, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. There's a thoughts log, thought logs you can look up. There are, uh, you know, there's positive psychology or positive thinking. There's journaling. There's going to a therapist, there's talking to a spouse, but the idea is that you want to change, you want to shift the way that your mind is thinking about whatever, the, 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 if, there's a, if there's a trigger for the depression or just your general outlook, you want to change that. And, you know, like Can I said, Can you give an example of how to, because yeah, how ahead, to do that? Say. I would just say, I feel like you need to give a tactical example the one I'm think like, cause that's a hard, you're like, just shift what you're thinking. And people are like, how do you, is it, do you go, do you shift in, in the form of like gratitude? So I think that you shift, I, this is a, this is a, maybe a more complicated answer. I think that you, my general suggestion is to do it in like in two parts. So one part of shifting your thinking is to reduce the, the, the stress. So it's like, um, you know, if, if I'm feeling depressed, maybe I want to go watch a movie that's fun. Or maybe I, I want to go listen to music that makes me feel good. Maybe I want to uh, do a confidence journal. So I'm saying positive things about myself in the journal. Maybe I want to do a gratitude journal. Maybe I want to write a letter to a loved one, right? You're, it's things that are making you feel good. The other side of that is the, the, the sort of the grief or the treatment part of it, which is to allow yourself to immerse in whatever the negative emotion is. So if I'm if I'm grieving a lot, you know, a loved one or a relationship, or I'm feeling bad about myself, maybe I want to allow myself time to process whatever that emotion is. And you, what you don't want to do is lean so heavy into the positive thoughts or emotions that you don't allow your that you're just shutting down and denying the negativity that is there. And you also don't want to wallow in the pain and the and distress. And so from a clinical standpoint, helping people find figure out how to vacillate between the two of those appropriately i think is really important and so i feel like this, that's not a very good like here's a quick tip to make yourself feel better but it really is to be intentional about allowing yourself to be in pain and distress and then also pushing yourself to feel good mm -hmm. does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah 
So, um, have you been having any feelings of sad lately? No. Why? <laughs> that was a weird show. No. Okay. Was there a, are you thinking that I was? Well, I was going to, I was wondering during this winter season, how you're going to stave off sad personally. I don't think that is not my, my, my default, my mental health ailment, if I have hmm. one is not, I don't think it's depression. My mental health ailment would be anxiety. And so for me, it's less about staving off depression. It's more about controlling anxiety and, you know, not, you know, n not overworking. I think I probably, we've talked about this, I work too much, push too hard. You know, I, I could slow down and be more present. That's more what I need not to Not make your up. wife do it in the middle of the night. Well, if she gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning and then you work all day, there's no other time. Um, I think what you could do Wait, is... Wait, hold on. Notice how she skips right over that. Well, I've, I'm going back to you because... <laughs> oh, yeah. I think your depression is not like it shows up differently. It shows up in, in like you not taking care of yourself, but like you're not emotionally depressed. You're just like not being your best self. So I feel like you can still take care of yourself. I feel like in the winter <laughs> you don't eat healthy and you don't exercise as much and you definitely are not sleeping. Okay. But can I tell okay, that's fair. <laughs> Well, for I, th I still I think I do cardio five times a week. Okay. You think I don't? I don't. I think you. I think you work out, but the, I only think you work out. Um, I mean, I don't think you're. Uh, yeah, you do. You do. Well, what are you? What's the What's the internal? That's a weird pause. What's the internal? What's the internal dialogue? I feel like you're only working out because you're competitive with me. Yeah. Yeah, not, but it's not internal. <laughs> I think honestly, can I tell you, I think it comes from anxiety. Like, it, I, mm. I, th I. <laughs> this sounds gonna sound. I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to think of, a, of a different way to say this, but I'm just gonna say it the funny way, which is, if I thought you were gonna leave me because I was so unattractive, I think I would have a lot more energy to go work out and get it together. But I don't think that you're gonna bail on me. <laughs> And so I think I, but I do think like my wife's really fit. Like I should get it. Like I do need to look okay. And so that's the motivation. Like, you need the she's, bare minimum. If she, yeah. So I'm just, I'm like keeping it together so that you don't abandon me for some, you know. But it's not about that. It's pack. about, it's about, we read that book Outlive. It's about what you need to do so that you don't have years of decline, David. I know. I know. Okay. All right. Fair okay. enough. I don't care what you look like. Well, I really Anna, don't. I, know. I like <laughs> I, I'm I'm half joking. I know I know that you don't. So okay, but hold on. Let's just for the record, I don't eat that horribly. Allison, the reason why I'm getting yelled at right now is because we came into the podcast room and <laughs> Allison found jelly beans on my couch. They're scattered throughout the house. Like I found them in my closet, <laughs> <laughs> like on my on my dresser. <laughs> and I'm just like, geez, David. Like, did the Easter Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but okay, so I could work out maybe more. And I could, I, but the real growth area for me is sleep. Yeah, and I don't feel like you're moving in that direction to make a positive change. It's because I get excited about stuff and I don't want to go to bed. There's worse things in the world than that. But I think you, I think you do need to start sleeping and also um, just pre-plan your day so that you have those hours in the day um, versus screwing around. 
to get those things done that you want to do. Okay, first of all, I'd like everybody to notice how this podcast went, right? So we do this podcast, and as Allison goes, I, so we, by the way, this is right now, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Oh, I have to I, take Enzo to the orthodox. Okay, I, I call, or Allison goes, you want to record? I go, I do. So we meet at 1 o'clock to record this podcast, and we're getting ready, and, and I go, what do you want to talk about? She goes, I want to talk about seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. I said, I would love to, and I'm going to tell you it doesn't exist. She goes, okay. So we go record it, and this has just shifted all of a sudden to, hey, David, Here's some things you need to work on. You're eating too many jelly beans, get in the gym, and you need to get more sleep. This is what I live with. <laughs> I help you be your best self. You do. <laughs> you do. Um, I'm excited for tonight. So. Oh, yeah? Hockey game. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, that's good for today. Love you. Love everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. So we'll have this put, put up today, and then uh, next one will come out on Tuesday. <laughs>